1: I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back to Where Do We Go From Here,
2: panel. I'm your host here, Stafford. And with me tonight, I have the lovely Miss Dot McDonald and Miss Lee Broadway. Hi, ladies and night.
0: Hi. How's everybody doing tonight?
2: <laughs> good, good. So we're uh, so you know, we're talking about where do we go from here. So if you don't know, this came on, on, on TV. Oprah, she um kind of mediated this whole thing. So before we get into the actual episode itself, um what do you lady what did you what was, did you ladies think of the overall episode? And I'll start with you, guys.
1: Um, for me, it was very informative. I got a lot of information and a lot of things to think about that I wasn't thinking about before. And I'm sure we'll, we will get into all of that, but um, the reforms and the reparations. And I was just so proud of everybody up there kind of speaking their individual point of view, because collectively, everyone had something strong to say. Um, but I will say that I was very overwhelmed watching it at the end. I said, wow, we have a lot of work to
0: do. Thank you.
1: I agree.
0: What about you, Lee? Well, I enjoyed the various perspectives. Everyone had their own personal story of um, situations where they've experienced racism in their own lives and their own families' lives. And uh, I also enjoyed hearing about some of the solutions that uh, each uh, individual con- contributed. You know, to the conversation about what we can actually do to move forward so that we don't remain in this place.
2: Yes, I totally agree. So, with everything going on, you know, with the whole protest, the Black Lives Matter movement, has anything affected you guys personally since this has started? Or, you know, is there anything that you guys have been doing where there's been protesting, donating, anything of that? And I'll start with you, Lee.
0: I've actually uh, continued uh, to uh, put the word out about a lot of the um, um, protests and also events that are occurring around the city. Um, events um, and so forth that are assisting the protesters, knowing where to go and what to expect and and so forth. And also, um, you know, I'm I'm really, I'm an intercessor. And so I also believe in steaming every situation with prayer. So I've been really focusing on praying for the families, number one, for comfort and healing. You know, it's one thing to have the spotlight on you when these situations happen. All of a sudden they're thrust into the limelight. But when all of that dims, they still have to deal with the grief and the hurt from the losses they've experienced. So I like to cover them in prayer as well.
1: Um, I have for sure been directly affected, especially moving through my work environment and truly seeing how different companies are handling this and really um, feeling that, that feeling of being uncomfortable in a place where you might be confirming some of those accusations and things that you thought of before. I am typically a very passionate and fiery person. I'm usually the first one down in the, in the middle of LA with my signs. And this time I'm really just sad. I haven't had that same drive. I've been internalizing everything. I think there's a lot of trauma. And I think that is it affecting us all in different ways. And I just want to say kudos to those that do still have it in them that are still down there protesting and, and marching and and shouting and yelling. And um, I just want to say to you ladies that I'm glad that you're here. And I want to say to you guys that you matter.
2: Yes. Thank you. Thank you you yeah. matter too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know for me uh, personally, it's kind of been a lot. Uh, I know I mentioned earlier that, more so for me is a matter of like, you know, me having a little sibling, you know, a little brother. And, you know, once he asked me the question, it was kind of like, you hear a lot of people talk about it, but once you're put in it, you're like, oh crap, what do I say? What do I do? And so it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, we have to have these conversations, you know, um, especially with people that are so young, you know, it's kind of like, what do you tell someone or how do you tell someone to be safe for just being them, you know? Um, So I'm glad that they kind of talked about a lot of this. Um, David, and if you don't know David, he was, uh, he played Martin Luther King Jr. in the movie Selma. And, you know, he he talked a lot about this topic and, you know, him having a son and how it's just hard to just have those conversations or the talk, as we like to call it, have the talk, um, know with your younger whether it be young black men or young black women because we know you know it's it's women as well so um I wanted a quote that Ava DuVernay said she says it's not a broken system it was built this way it was built to function exactly as it is so of course she's talking about America um so just from reading that quote um I want to ask you guys what did you take from that and what what type of body does it hold
0: for you?
1: Um, I love Ava DuVernay. I like praise her. She is such a goddess. And when she said that, it really was a moment that I, it dawned on me that, you know, 400 years ago, we had slavery, but that's not where it ended. So she's absolutely right. There is systematic racism that was put in place so that no matter what, African Americans wouldn't be able to succeed. So when we look at the overall picture, she's absolutely right. The system is not broken. The system is doing exactly what it needs to do. And it's time for us to rise up and to rattle that thing and to create a new one. Um, It's such a harsh reality going back to um, you talking to your little brother. Uh, It's so sad that that's a conversation that is held in every African-American household. And how crazy it is at such a young age, you have to teach a child that no matter what, they have to be extra, extra careful just
0: because their skin is darker.
2: Mm -hmm. Very unfortunate. Do you have
0: anything to add, to that? Well, you know, I just want to echo, yes, we know the system is broken, and it was built on the backs of Blacks through, you know, the uh, last 400 years. And so as a a group of people, we know that we have certain challenges and difficulties that others may not face. Um, And so what we want to do and need to do is come together collectively and provide solutions and talk about what we can do to put people in um you know the uh, offices, political offices, so that they can be a voice to the masses and people that understand and know what policies need to be changed and should be changed, and continue to educate ourselves about the issue so that we're not you know ignorant and uninformed about what we can do as individuals and that's to educate ourselves in every area and understand finance understand know housing, understand our rights if we're approached right by a police officer, understand what we can do to continue moving forward and, you know, um, continue to see change occur and uh, affect that change.
2: Yes, I agree. And that's one thing I love about this whole part one and part two series discussion that um I feel like I learned something from everyone that spoke. You know, they all talked about, you know, it's more than social media. It's gonna take more than reposting something, posting it. Um, you know, you have to sign petitions, you have to donate, you have to go out and protest, you have to go vote. And we're gonna talk about voting because that's one of the main things um that we talked about and in part two um, Stacey Abram, I love that she talked about voter suppression. I don't know if you guys heard the term yes. before, but basically, you know, convincing minorities or trying to make it sound like voting is not a big deal, it's not major, it's not important. And that's kind of also affecting our community. But we all know that, you know, it's not the system that is the system are the people, basically. So we need to, we can't fix this fix the system if we don't fix the people that are making the rules basically so voting is very important so that's something that stood out for me is there something that any of the people that spoke that stood out to you guys that you didn't know or something that you can share as something that you took away from it
0: yes um, a, in fact um, they mentioned i believe it was stacy mentioned that lebron james has created a group called the voting rights group which was designed to help uh, folks, Black folks, get registered to vote, and also to encourage them to go out and vote. So he's created this with a lot of other famous athletes and so forth, and that's going to help create awareness about the importance of voting, why your vote matters, and how you should get involved to help others uh, become prepared to vote so that we can avoid what happened in Atlanta this last week, you know, where the uh, machines weren't working and there were long lines. We need organization, Order is very important in order to achieve our goals. Yes.
1: Um, I want to go back to you mentioning social media, and I will get into what I did learn from this. I know you mentioned that we have to go beyond reposting. We have to go beyond using social media as a tool. But I do just want to take a moment to honor the fact that in this time, social social media has been a very powerful tool in the way that we have communicated, the way we have organized, the way um, that's how we all found out about George Floyd. I've always thought that African-Americans were the pioneers of social media with our memes, with our hashtags, with our captions. And I've always thought if we could just use this for our advantage, the game is over. And this is the first time that I really see that we have used social media um, in in a way that we can now change the world and calling out these companies. Um, Now, back to you um, asking, you know, what did we learn from this part? one in part two series that we didn't know before I can't remember exactly who said it but there was a moment where um one of the panelists said even if African Americans do everything right if we go to school get straight A's if we go to college we still will be years behind white people there's no matter what they have had a head start in life um they've been able to accomplish and build their generational wealth they are always going to be richer and for me that really stood out to me. And that's when I really started to listen in and tune in about these reparations. To me, that's always been something I thought that Black people were joking about, you know, or, but really when I heard that statement, that's when it finally became um, real to me that that could be a huge difference for us. And, you know, I'm glad you
2: mentioned that because I know we kind of talked about it briefly earlier that, you know, a white person that has a high school degree versus, you know, someone black having a master's degree, that person could still have a higher wage wage than you. And it's kind of, it kind of sucks because, you know, in our community, uh, we kind of get looked down upon on for certain things, you know, as far as poverty or, you know, you're suffering from this and that. But like you mentioned, you know, that's just how the world has been set up. They just naturally got an advantage. And had we had those same advantages, a lot of the things that or normal to us wouldn't 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 be that way. So it's all about like what we mentioned earlier, educating ourselves. But not only just Black people educating ourselves, other races to educate themselves as well to understand the root of the issue and why things are the way they are. And it take it's going to take a lot of us. It's going to take not just us, but it's going to take the whole world, race, color, size to, to fix this matter. And so speaking on that topic, um, I want to move on to white allies. So this is something they talk more about in the part two of the series. And I know we've been hearing a lot about this, um, you know, people you may work with, go to school with, you know. Or is anyone asking you guys, what do I do? Or you have people that, you know, are saying, well, I don't have had to lose some friends. I'd have to unfollow a few people. It's it just been so much going on. So have you guys had any personal experience with this uh, since this happened? What about, I want to ask you Lee first.
0: I've had, you know, discussions with friends about what the issues are and how it's impacted me individually and, and really try to help them understand that all we want is the same thing everybody else wants, to have the same opportunity, the same rights. We want to feel safe when we go out. We don't want to be followed around grocery stores like we're stealing something, right? We don't want to be stopped just because we fit the description of somebody and maybe end up on the ground. So it it isn't that we're asking for something different, you know, um, it's that we want the same rights. And this is the discussion I've been having with friends that we're not looking to, you know, become this superpower and overtake your race. We're simply looking to be treated as human beings. That's it. And that's the discussion I've been having with folks that I know.
1: I have 100% been getting contacted by white friends. I grew up born and raised Madison, Wisconsin. I've always been the African-American that everyone felt comfortable to go to. And this is really the first time that I've had to step back. I am on the same playing field as Ava DuVernay when I say that I am tired of explaining myself. I'm tired of having to teach people who are not going out to find the knowledge for themselves. And that's exactly what white privilege is. That's when there's something that is affecting other people, but you aren't doing anything about it because it's not affecting you directly. And every time we have these injustices, we're supposed to stop and we're supposed to coddle. We're supposed to carry their, hold their hands and walk them through everything. And I have had to just ignore people and not be, um, not feel any type of way about that. And I hope that white people out there understand that too I hope that they don't that doesn't shut them down I hope that they're not offended I hope they understand that it gets to a point of exhaustion where we are continuously explaining the exact same thing over and over and you aren't doing anything about it other than reaching out and looking for the answers from me when you can do that on your own (laughs) if you
0: really want to you
2: would if you really care that much and I want to say me personally I haven't thankfully hopefully nothing that I don't know of but I haven't had to experience that just yet but something that I do take personal is when the whole all lives matter thing um and I know we all know what we are about to say but it's kind of like it's kind of very sensitive and I feel like that's a lot I feel like we keep having to explain what that what that term means and I feel like first when I hear someone says you know what's well, all lives not just black lives that to me just shows ignorance because it's kind of like, if you if you see the movement, if you see what's going on, you should know that's not what we mean. You know, you should know. That's like, that should be like a common sense thing. No one's saying, oh, we didn't say only Black lives matter. We're saying Black lives matter because only Black lives have been affected. And I've seen a post, I'm sure you've seen it, but it says all lives can matter until Black lives matter, which is 100% true. That's what all means, means all races. So uh, for me personally, I, that struck my nerves every every time I see it. So I really just want to put that out there so people can understand what that means and, you know, not to succulent us because I feel like you're just saying that you're just succulent us even more. You're you're basically showing your true colors by making that statement. So just have to put that out there um, for you guys. And then uh one more thing I want to talk about before we get into our other segment um police reform. So we talked about everything's going to take to change this um but one of the main things that people are talking about is police reform. It's gonna take a lot more to happen um and not just in all over the world really when it comes to police um to change it so do you did you guys get any tips on how to go in that direction as far as when it comes to police uh dot
1: um, In terms of the reforms, what I really took away from all of this is the education that everybody must have, not just African-Americans, but Black people. Once we are all educated on this systematic racism, we will understand that there are things in place that have to be changed. First, everybody has to be in agreement that this is an issue. The second thing is, African-Americans and people of color, we need to be in these positions to be able to sign these bills, to sign these laws, because no matter how much we present them, no matter how much we learn, if there is a racist person or a person that doesn't agree, that is in position, that has to sign off, it's not going to happen. So when I said we've got a lot of work to do, everybody in the masses, meaning the humanity has to be in agreement that this is an issue then we all have to put people in places where they belong and where they will be treated and and act accordingly. And then we can see a real change. Because what I see continuously happening is us coming into these roadblocks. I think if we come up with some ideas for some police reforms, we can present them, we can get a bill passed, and then there's going to be another roadblock. Because maybe there's a, a, a racist white judge, or maybe, you know, we're not all on the same page. So as I'm watching this, I'm really seeing the footwork that we as a people have to do, we have to commit to, and we cannot let up. We cannot let this be a moment, and we cannot let this be a trend. This has to be something that we continuously do, and we cannot get our knee off of the neck of our nation. Yeah, I agree.
0: Will you have anything? I have several thoughts. Um, I heard Don mm-hmm. Lemon say on CNN the other night, You know, he posed the question, can you legislate the condition of someone's heart? Can a bill or a law change Someone's perspective of another human being, and we know that isn't possible. So one, you know, someone was raised a certain way, believing a certain thing, whether it's good or bad. That individual, if they're you know old enough to know that they should change but doesn't want to change, a bill's not going to help. Um, I think in that case, the police department will probably have to determine how they screen people and how and who they allow on the force. Because of that individual's perspective of a Black person, and that Black person, let's just say, is licensed to carry, and he and someone, a police officer, happens to see him with an open carry in a state that allows that, well, he now becomes a Black man with a gun, whether he's licensed to carry or not. The perception of him being dangerous won't change if that person grew up believing that a Black man with a gun is dangerous, whether you pass a bill or not. Yes, we have to go behind the scenes and have politicians in place to talk to the police departments, negotiate with the police unions, and uh, you know find ways so that the police officer's training um, is, is changed or somehow transformed so that they can diffuse a situation before it becomes a fatality. So I'm not a police officer. I don't know how mm-hmm. all that's done. But I'm just saying it has to begin not only from the inside out, from the heart of a person, for them to be able to change and see African-American to something other than dangerous. And also, it has to become a, um, a point of concern in, in the matter of how they actually screen people for that job and train them and make sure that they are people that can do the job well without going out and, and thinking that you know if somebody runs a red light, they should end up you know in an early grade. So I'm just saying... <laughs>
1: That's like what is the training process? That's what I always go back to. And what is the 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 requirements to become a police officer? It's almost like it's a sign up sheet. That's what Um, it look like.
2: Oh, yeah. The requirements are very minimum. Anyone, I think with a, a college degree, a high school degree, it's, it's nothing crucial at all. So I think we do the training. I do want to say someone in um, Minneapolis in a one more city, I believe, but they actually have started implementing new rules as far as like, you know, you can't use a chokehold anymore. You know, you can't sit on someone's right. neck. So, I mean, they've been trying to start little things, but that's something's going to have to be worldwide, let's just start there, and two, it's going to have to take a whole new training process, but you have to understand, there's a lot of people that are here for us, and there's still a lot of people that are not, and we don't know the difference. And, you know, if you're already in that position, how do we take you out of that position until you show, what Wait till the next incident, you show your true color, so... Um, I feel like everyone just needs to be retrained. Um, It may take, of course, it's not like a simple one-two process, I'm sure, but I think it needs to start there. And one thing I do love, uh, so Keisha Lance Bottom, she's the mayor of Atlanta. And, oh, I love her. Oh, my gosh, I'm sure you saw her. (laughs) She had me moved. Um, But she mentioned that, you know, when she was trying to figure out what to do in the situation, you know, being a mayor, being a black mayor at that, you know she has a lot of people coming to her with questions she's like what do i do and she said what she did she went back and thought back to the civil rights movement and from that time to now she's like where do we go wrong after that what what do we stop what where, where do we pull the plug because we need to re-engage and pick up all those pieces where we stop that and and when in the midst of those, okay, I kind of get it, but did you guys see what she understood what she meant by that statement as far as like where do we go back to retrack our steps and go pick up those pieces?
1: Thought? Yeah, I definitely think um I think she said that they they were fighting because they had the faith. And what I always see when I look back at civil rights photos and everything, I think that each generation is getting closer and closer. I personally don't think that we ever stopped. I just think that our transformation took a different form. I think every generation gets closer and closer to what we think will uh, be freedom. I think that before us were the sit-ins, were the boycotts. I think now, you know, when I was growing up, it was the rioting and it was the the fighting. And I think what this generation is now doing is we're stepping in, we're doing the voting, we're asking for the reforms. And we are most likely not going to see everything that we want to see. And it is going to be a very slow process. But every generation is pushing further and further to the point where there's going to be no more racism left because everybody is going to be on this train. And you see that now with the protest. You know how many white people are out there? People that are like, there's more white people than black people. We're finally getting to a place where the unity is there. And that's when we are going to be our most powerful.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree.
1: Lee, what do
0: you have? Well, I came up in the 60s and 70s. I was born in 1958. So um, I came through all of those civil rights movements. My parents were very um, active in community service. And so in regards to, again, what's changed, one, we have social media. So now we can actually film something with our cameras. We have the ability to film what's happening and put it out there so that the whole world can see it. When people are uh, made aware of what's happening, then they have a consciousness about things that aren't right. And I think that's part of why the whole world is engaged, because now we can all see it on social media. Back in the 60s and 70s, we didn't have cell phones to film what was happening. These same types of situations have been happening for 400 years, lynchings. We just had two out in San Bernardino County, Um, people being killed by the police, things that were happening where, if you remember... um, one of the situations where the gentleman was um, he was killed running from the police officer I can't think of his name now yeah he was running away and he was shot in the back and the, you know I, I guess what happened is that the police officer said that he you know had a gun and he was but anyway because it was filmed then it was the truth came out if these situations weren't filmed, nobody would have knowledge sin is not going away. Racism racism is sin, okay? It's not going away. It's been here since the beginning of time. But I think as the generations who came up believing things should be a certain way begin to, you know, die off, and we have the new folks coming in, the younger generation, who is, we're tired of all the killing. We're tired of all the inequality. Mm -hmm. I think that new leadership will arise and bring that change, and that's what's happening now. It's exciting to see.
2: It's very, very exciting to see, uh, especially you see so many young people out there too protesting. And I think for me personally, when I sit back and just look over everything and how we're going to overcome, like we all said, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight, but it starts to right. educate ourselves um, and everyone had been educated. So it, it it comes to taking those textbooks that we came up on, you know, where these were 60s, 70s, 2000, 90s, whatever it was, we need to... Rewrite those texts for the future generation or reteach some of these classes, you know, open up some of these history courses that has been suppressed for so long. I know some uh, campuses, you know, they don't even have certain history, like Afri- uh, African American culture. You know, we read about certain things they want us to read about. So it's kind of sad that we have to go outside Google what we need to know about. So I think step four, you know, is going to take educating ourselves. Of course, like I mentioned earlier, it's going to take voting and not just voting, you know, um, over uh like u.s you have to vote locally you know it's about how how senate the judges it's it's so much that goes into it so we have a lot of work to do and i do have the confidence that we will get it done um so if there's anything that that you guys want to add that you took from this episode we can go ahead and talk about that
1: i think that we also should ask add on there is the imagery the things that we see um the issue is that when they see black people they automatically you know think of a target. They think it's something bad. And same thing with us. When we see the police, we think we're going to be killed. And that imagery uh, on the flip side on with the, the issue with social media is that we see that thing over and over and over. So one, it becomes traumatic. Two, if you're white, you see a Black person, you're like, yeah, they're most likely going to get killed or shot. Um, from the movies that we see, the television that we watch, all that has to be mixed up. All the time, like we we've gotta we've gotta get more black people in uh, leadership roles and roles of authority. We can't keep having black people play victims, play robbers, play play all these. Uh, uh, we're just re- reinforcing stereotypes, and that's that's another issue why police are you know scared and afraid. On top of just thinking that black people are stronger than them and can defeat them, that's also why they are are afraid. So I think that that's another thing I wanted to add was the imagery aspect, because that when she mentioned that for me, um, because I'm into filmmaking and stuff, I cannot wait to see how that translate and how we start to implement that into our art. It's going to look crazy at first, and that's going to really prove to us that we have been conditioned to look at us in a certain way. But I I need to see an Asian drug dealer. I need to see an Asian victim. I have you ever. You see what I'm saying here? That's yeah. the issue. That's a problem. Let's change it. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's stop watching the shows that won't mix it up because that's where the issue lies as well when you're watching it and you're growing up. The the targets that the that the trainers are are uh being trained with, they're they're black body figures. What? Yep. Unacceptable. Everything. That's a really good point. Glad you brought that up. What about Julie?
0: I um, heard and was reading about Ebony K. Williams. She's a host and executive producer of a new show called Revolt Black News. It was started by P. Diddy Combs. And so she's actually going to be bringing um, news clips and uh, historical pieces and really important information about what's happening in the Black community and putting it out there in a positive way. Again, it's called uh, Revolt Black News and State of the Culture. And um, Sean P. Diddy Combs, he actually founded this TV network. So that's exciting. So as artists, you know, we need more Ava DuVernay's, we need more um, yeah. actors who want to create and write their own, you know, uh, content. I know Tyler Perry said, you know, you all are waiting for a place the table. I'm, you know, building my own table. Yeah. So we have to go out there and do what we're talking about. We can't wait for anyone else to yeah. do this for us. We're gifted people, we're bright. We have lots of interesting uh, stories to tell, important stories to share with the world. We have to be bold enough to go out there, learn how to get the backing for it, learn how to um, ask for help when we need it, educate ourselves, take classes, and begin to create our own content so we can put the positive images out there that we feel the world should be um, privy to.
2: Okay, I have a really quick question because you guys kind of brought this up about filmmaking. Um, I know there's there's always been like a lot of backlash between like, a, we have like a lot of movies that are out there about slavery or about, you know, the oppression that we go through. Some people are like, you know, it's traumatizing, for example, when, uh, when they see us. I know people to this day that still have yet to see, see it because they're like, I don't, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch how people go through something like that. It's too traumatizing for me. But you have some people on the other hand that are saying, well, these movies are educating us. You know, a lot of times, we may not know things and we learned from the movie that was based off of a true story. So would you say that we should, we should just not talk about that or we should just have more variety or we should see it as much because some people really don't like seeing stuff like that. But then again, some people like to see it so that we can be more aware of those types of topics. So it's like, if we take those away, not saying we don't have any other sources to you know, get that information, but do you feel like that will have some type of effect as well?
1: I definitely think that we can still have those type of films. Um, And I want you to think about that. The fact that when they see us is like a horror movie for us. And it was just a reality of some young boys. If there are people who are afraid to watch it. And those are the type of movies that will provoke, um, A change in your thought process. So I think that that type of film is needed. I think with the slave movies, the only issue is that the only time you really see a full Black cast is either when we're being slaves or we're being in some comedic aspect sort of thing. So if we had more of a variety, everybody could get their little thing when they needed to. But it's like, when we see an all-Black cast, It's typically a slave movie or when we see an all black cast get nominated for an Oscar, it's typically a slave movie. The only time that we can get highlighted or celebrated is when we are doing what the white people want us to do and we are perpetuating the stereotypes that are already on us. That I think that's the issue. So I think if we are giving more opportunities in the film world to create more authentic stories that tell all of the stories of African-Americans, for one, I think that white people would be able to understand us more. And for two, then we would have that variety. I think that there's a very one tone level that people have when it comes to tolerating or watching or being entertained, seeing black people on television. I need them to see the more middle-class, the variety. We're not all one way at all. And that needs oh. to be reflected <laughs> in the things that we see. Yeah, I agree.
0: You I completely. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think that, well, first of all, the history books probably weren't written by blacks. Okay, so the perspective of history um, is not all of what it is because they're not telling our full story, as you said earlier, Dot. So it's important for black historians, writers, to take a look at what's been written and delve into that and actually rewrite the whole truth, the whole history of the Blacks, you know, our ancestors, uh, who we were before we came to America, the richness of the culture before the culture was destroyed by families being separated. We have a responsibility for those of us who are gifted to do this, to tell the stories, for those of us who are actors, writers, creators, whatever gift you've been given, use what's in your hands and bring that rich history to the forefront so that the world can see more than just the slavery piece. That's all people seem to know and understand because that's what they're reading in the history books. So the history books probably need to be dissected and rewritten so that the whole story is told properly.
2: Ooh, wow, and I do agree because Hollywood is good for it, honey. They'll go make it quick, okay? <laughs> so- So, Dot, you know, we need you, Miss Filmmaker. So, you know, I'll be room for you because listen, I'll be watching for you, girl. We need you. We need more of you. And, you know, if you're watching, you know, and not just filmmakers, we need more doctors, lawyers, judges. And I love that. Megan the Stallion, she kind of made a tweet about that. You know, she was like, you know, go for the higher education because we need more of our people in these higher up places because that's also going to be a part in helping our change. So um, let's more, let's navigate to, um, we got a lot, they do some really jam-packed part one and two, honestly and truthfully. So I would was, I was highly suggest go watch it. It was very, very informative. Um, I really enjoyed it. They're about an hour long apiece. So um, that was the episode. So let's get into our special segment with Doug. Uh,
1: Yes, our special segment is going to be called Call Them Out. And this special segment is really where I want to highlight celebrities who are using their voice and their platform to ignite change. A lot of times African Americans are really afraid to speak out because they're always in a position where someone has authority over them or have power over them. But we are in a time that it is so important to call people out and to hold people accountable because we're really rallying behind each other and pushing each other forward for change. So first, i want to highlight my girl my favorite beyonce okay so she's so poised she's so classy she's so sassy and she wrote an open letter to the kentucky attorney general and she urged him to bring forth charges against brianna taylor's murders she urged him to commit to an investigation and prosecution and she urged him to investigate the LMPD response to Breonna Taylor's murder. She signed it with her signature. And I thought that it was incredible to have somebody of her stature be a part of this movement with us. It's a reminder to all of her fans that, yes, I'm an entertainer, an entertainer but I am a Black woman first. She has been for the culture, stood for the culture. And I love that she used this opportunity, again, for us to get that get Breonna Taylor her justice. They just passed the law, Breonna Taylor's law, with the no-knock warrant, but her killers, her murderers still haven't been arrested. Make it make sense. Um, The other person that I want to highlight is Kyrie Irving from the NBA. If you guys don't know, the NBA is expected to resume, I believe, uh, next month in Orlando. There was a Zoom call with over 80 of the NBA players, and they were just voicing their opinions with everything that's going on. And Kyrie Irving, said on this call, I do not support going to Orlando. I am not with the systematic racism. Something smells fishy. So I thought it was incredible for him as an NBA player to really take a stance. You guys know majority of the NBA is Black people. What if all the NBA players said, we're going to sit this one out till we can figure some things out. And that is the type of thing that we need to have happen. Where We have all the African-Americans on one page and we can really make some noise and continue to be in the faces and make some real changes so shout out to Beyonce and shout out to Kyrie Irving
2: yes I actually what I agree I think the NFL is doing something as well I don't don't put me on that but I think I saw something they're like you know we're not we're not playing they did some type of movement together and I was like yeah. what that's what it's do? about yeah and I mean like you said most of the sports I mean everyone knows that sports is african-american dominated so i mean and i feel like this whole movement has made us realize i think we've always known our power but i think this movement made us realize even more because if we take away ourselves if we take away our um our business that we give these people (laughs) come on now what does
1: america have left
2: that's that's gonna shake some tables there so but it's all but it's all about san francisco um i know you've been sent on instagram if you're if your tl is going back to normal shake it up We're going to have to keep shaking this world up because we have a lot of work to do. Okay, so was that all for a special segment? Yes. Okay, and do we have some news and gossip?
0: Well, what I have (laughs) is I wanted to just um, talk about the influence the um, segments had on the overall community and the world. Um, According to Forbes, where do we go from here was a ratings winner with over 17 million viewers over a two-night session. Two nights. 17 million viewers, it was, uh, they said, the number one ratings winner for Tuesday and Wednesday evening. So clearly, race in America and the death of George Floyd has generated a lot of interest and concern, and the world is talking about, what do we do? How do we affect change? And where do we go from here? What's, what is it we need to do to make sure that another George Floyd doesn't happen, or Ahmaud Arbery, or Breonna Taylor? What do we need to do collectively as a race of people to come together and make sure these situations are not the norm, but will become an anomaly in the future.
2: Yes, I agree. Oh my gosh, y'all. This is a lot. This is a lot. And I feel like we really could have talked way more. Um, But that was all we have for you guys tonight. Um, I highly suggest going to watch part one and part two. Um, It is on own TV. So if you want to just go watch, you can watch the first two episodes for free. So I suggest go watching that. Um, I encourage, everyone to make sure you go out and vote wherever you are make sure you go check your registration deadline please go out and vote um any other tips or suggestions or anything you guys want to share before we wrap up tonight
1: before we wrap I just, I really just ahead, just want to, i'm sorry before we wrap up i really just also want to for you ladies for our after buzz tv uh, family and for those people watching i really want everyone to just take care of their mental health that's really what I want to do. Take a moment to deplug from social media, pray, meditate, run, jog, whatever you need to do. This is a very traumatic time period that uh, these effects will be affecting us for months after. Please take care of your minds and your heart.
0: Yes and amen. And I wanna echo that and just <laughs> let the families know that have experienced the death uh, recently, the um, Arbery's and also Breonna Taylor's family and George Floyd's family, we send our prayers and support. Know that you are not alone in this battle. We are with you and we are covering you with prayer. We love you. Peace.
2: Yes, I 100% agree. So that is all we have for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm your host, Sierra Stafford. You can go find me on my Twitter at Sierra B Stafford or my Instagram at Sierra Stafford TV. And dot where can they find you?
1: You can find me on all social media platforms at dot McDonald's.
0: Hey, You can find me on all social media platforms, Twitter, 50 plus and fabulous at Lee Broadway. I'm on Facebook under my name, Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Broadway, LinkedIn, and also Instagram.
2: Yes, we love, I love that name. Yes. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you stay safe. Stay up.